Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out at DK Glue Guys on Twitter, netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio. Yes, Michael. Dash Radio. Yeah. And um, Facebook. Mike, you're on fire. We're on Facebook. Are we? We're going to start doing stuff on it. Yeah, we have a we have a shout out to our um, social network guru. Uh, you know who you are. We're probably going to take it. We're going to take a couple meetings over the summer, Mike. Are we? Social networking guru. Who is that? Um, my buddy Colin. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> shout out. Who Colin. does listen? Thank you, Colin. Yeah. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners. It's going to be a wild no, ride not this all season. Of them. Yeah. Not a few, all. a few of you. Shout out. Um, we have an exciting show up later in the show. Uh, the man behind the Nets Daily Twitter account. Net the income? Whole, the whole website. Oh, the whole website. Know. I thought that's all I did. Jeez, I'm selling short. <laughs> man. Uh, Net Income will join us to talk a little bit about the draft. A little, not a draft preview, but a draft pre-review. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Mike, you're fired up today. You're excited that your Golden State Warriors won <laughs> it in five, just like you said. A team with a W won the NBA championship, and I like a team with a W, the Wizards. So, by extension, Shoot, Jesus. JaVale McGee, ex-Wizard, uh. Sean Livingston, ex-Net, <laughs> it's like we won. It's like we won a it's chip. It's basically combined. Is, will there be a parade in Brooklyn? Yeah, Sean Livingston. <laughs> yeah, good question. Did you see that? I, I don't think we talked about the Sean Livingston interview and like the little tidbits regarding Darren Williams. Those were very telling. No, it is. No, 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 it, no, it was thrown me. like micro shade, but like you know, palpable micro shade. Micro shade. <laughs> he was like, he was like, that'd um, be a great podcast. <laughs> palpable micro shade. Yeah. Just like slight comments. Uh, what did he say? It was more what he didn't say, but he was like, you know, he was like, what is it like going against Darren Williams? He's like, it's not a thing. We don't think about it, you know. And they're like, oh, you don't have like a relationship with him? He's like, some guys that you play with and you see him around and say, how's the family? Good, doing good, good. And that's it. That's sort of the relationship we have, which, you know, between with all the bad press about Darren Williams, you can that's you can call that a pile on if you want. Yeah. And, and I don't think uh, Darren uh, was exactly the change element that someone was expecting when he signed with the Cavaliers. No, you take Della Vadova over Darren Williams in that series. And I don't, and people laugh at me when I say that. I say unapologetically, unironically, Matthew Della Vadova over Darren Williams is, and, and you maybe, I mean, I'm not saying you got another win, but you certainly do a little bit more for that squad than what this guy did. No, and I think that's, so, so obviously last year's Warriors team is different from this year's Warriors team. You have a healthy Curry and you have Durant instead of Harrison Barnes. But the, the difference is guys mm. like Della Vadova like Delavadova isn't on the there's no like weird defensive stopper at point to come into the game. Darren yeah. Williams wasn't gonna do that. Just a dog, a road dog. You don't have a road dog on that team right now. And that's what's weird is that okay, so like a lot of the discussion around the Cavs now is what are they gonna do next? Should they trade Kevin Love? Because Kevin Love doesn't really offer you anything beyond sort of the eight rebounds a game, which is nice, and yeah. some shooting. He doesn't do much else. Um but like so their problem is that the fact that they're paying Shumpert and Smith, these two role players that, like, I mean, Smith was okay, Shumpert was horrible. They don't have bench guys who came in and could actually play defense. Yeah. Richard Jefferson, ex-net. Yeah. Another. Looked another year slower, unfortunately. 
but he was sort of key for them to be like decent. Always, always, I mean, like last year he was he was maybe like their most important bench player for a very large stretch of 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 time. Is that is that, is that the dog? No, nah, it's just that's it's just the wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, so but you're excited, you're happy because you like the Warriors and they won. I don't know if like. I so I was happy. I was you happy were? for Kevin Durant. Oh my god! Because there was a weird. I have a, I have a totally different take on this thing. Well, I love to hear it. I almost felt bad for Kevin Durant, in, okay. in some sense, because um, get, stick stick with me here, okay? I'm with you, Sticky Mickey. <laughs> there's some cash. I'm I'm trying to. So I'm like, you know how I am. I I read very much into the after the you know championship celebration stuff, and yes, there was a a. I could tell there was a little bit of dissonance there. 100%. They were they were trying to acknowledge that this was a momentous occasion. They were like they, they you could almost see like them looking at each other and be like is this as big of a deal as we think it is? How do we where does this rank in big dealedness right now and how do I approach it? Whereas you know, the for example, LeBron James's Cleveland Cavaliers, it was just pure orgiastic glee, you know. There was no it exactly. was it was a it was a yeah, just a, a burst of emotion. The um, first Warriors championship. Uh, yeah. Total excitement. They had won in 40 years. This or is like, how much are you going to celebrate, like, beating up... Domination. Like, <laughs> like beating up everybody and doing it, like, and having, like, the foreseeable future on your side, you know? Well, and I, I saw the same thing during the series, the fact that, like... So, Lee Jenkins came out with an article. I don't know if you read it today he read it, he came out with it today i guess he had to have no i work today mike okay <laughs> i didn't have time to read lee jenkins <laughs> so it was about it started off an amazing tidbit it started off how the the night that golden state lost the finals last year draymond green is sitting at his locker with his still has his uniform on that they had just lost this game seven you know mm. the the series that they should have won he was partially the reason why they lost because he got suspended. And what he does is he texts Kevin Durant to say, man, you saw what just happened. We need you to come here. Mm-hmm. And Durant texted him back saying, I'm on my way or something like that. Wow. So that happened that night. Um, and what was interesting during the finals is that, you, to me, I saw Durant and Draymond Green seem close. I think that's obvious. But there was there was a... As you said, dissonance. There was a, a wall between Curry and Durant. Mm-hmm. They're not. You can tell they're not close. Yeah. Um. You can tell that like. So people are people are really worried that the Golden State Warriors are going to be the super team that we're never going to. No one else is going to win. They're going to dominate the next five years and blah 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 blah. Like, this was great and amazing to see, and I'm glad I went to. See, we saw them together at Barclays. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that was something I will tell my great grandkids. Will you? Because I'll be around for that. Yeah. And, um, but I don't know, man, this isn't, this is not an organic creation. And when it's not an organic creation of a team, mm-hmm. there's going to be separation at some point. I entirely agree. And that was almost like my, that's the silver lining in all this, in my opinion. It was like, like those, was the, the lackluster quality of that celebration hinted to me that like, oh, okay, this can't go on forever. They're, you know, they, if, if, if it's not worth it to do it the right way, you know, like this, it's like this sort of. Like you were saying, it's this or- organic way of governing the parity in the league to some extent. Like you can't just everyone get on the same team and then feel good about what happens afterwards. It's it, the your decency, your common human decency prevents it from happening. Well, and if you grow as a team together, like the Thunder should have with Durant, 
Westbrook, and Harden. If you had grown as a team together and you win a ton of championships, you're doing it together and you're all on the same level. Where now what's happened is, and even Miami with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, they formed that team together. Even though Wade was there. Yeah, of course. It was it's Wade, totally different. People that like try to compare those two things, I find this is lacking this is, in shades of gray. This is a guy, and you, and you know, like, I don't want to say, like, I don't know how selfish Curry is. I don't think he's an extremely selfish player, but you could tell during this season, especially this finals, like there was a couple of times when Durant was the fo- complete focal point of the offense in the finals. And you could tell Curry was open a couple of times, his hand up in the air, and Durant would still drive to the hoop and probably score. Mm-hmm. But Curry being wide open, he's has an experience in his NBA career being wide open and not getting the ball, mm-hmm. right? And now this is happening to him. Yeah. Um, Lost up for the second time getting his, his finals MVP. How much fun could this be? You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I'm playing FIFA 2015. I'm yeah. always behind. <laughs> and I have a super team right now because, you know, you can do that. Uh-huh. And it, now it's not that much fun. Yeah. It's not fun. Like, so I'm sure this was amazing for them. But it's also like, if they do this again next year, this team will be broken up just because of personalities. They will not want to be together. They just, they, what would be the joy in, in dominating again? Yeah. Um, I just hope that, um, that they don't do it, <clears throat> like, that they wait long enough that the Celtics can be bad again. Just, oh ju- I just hope that they wait that long that they, you know, they, they, or that they allow the Celtics to, like, you know, sell off their immediately good team right now and then wait for them to get, like, bad or, like, you know, be hedging for the future and then, Everyone j- jump ship. I just want it to work as poorly for Boston as possible. No, I'm 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 all for that. I think Adam Silver should step in yeah. and make sure that happens because <laughs> yeah. no one wants Boston just, to just do coordinate well. with. Yeah, have we have we like all decided that at this point? Can't they just like can't something bad? I'm on. Never mind. I don't talk about. It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I don't want to wish anything bad upon yeah. anyone. But um, I don't know. I mean, it was amazing. I this was an, a, an amazing five game finals even though most of the games are blowouts why why was that amazing for you i think the the level of play like i think i think i forget what exactly cleveland i think they scored like 120 points last night we're recording this on a tuesday so monday night um they shot better than 50 percent from the field in a road game and they still lost the game Mm -hmm. you know the level of play even from the losers was extremely high yeah um and now there's this like this like and we're doing it right now, but like there's this interesting almost let's not even talk about the series, let's talk about the future. And you know, it's funny how the LeBron haters I'm not a LeBron lover. Mm-hmm. I I recognize he's the greatest player that I've ever seen because Jordan I saw him basically play for the Wizards and that's it. Like I saw him play for Chicago a little bit, but I was ten years like a yeah, ten years old at the couldn't end. appreciate it all the right. way. Yeah. So LeBron's the greatest player I've ever seen. LeBron haters will say, oh, Jordan never lost in the finals in five games. He never lost in the finals regardless. Um, but, like, I don't know. If you watch that series, what did LeBron do wrong? Is there, I mean, is there actually anything he, is his legacy diminished at all because he just got some, some destroyed? <clears throat> some dude I know on Facebook shared this article that was like, well, that proves it. LeBron can never be as great as Jordan. And it's just like, Dude, what? <laughs> what? It's unreal. What is this? What is the sick fascination with? First of all, like comparing those two players, like I, I understand it on some level, but it's also you can you already know like that's a 
it's a dumb, flawed conversation. It always will be. And if you haven't heard people like moan audibly when you bring it up or like, you know, share, I guess you don't hear people moan when you share it on Facebook and that's the only way you can do it anymore. Um, <laughs> moan button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do need a moan button. Um, but yeah, that's like, I, I, we will have that conversation forever. That's, that's a sad thing but you know it's gonna you be know what it, i'm happy about though that it bumped kobe out of the conversation because he didn't he never deserved there. to be in that kind <laughs> kobe was the greatest player of his generation well i don't even know i mean i, I still sort of like carry the flag for duncan yeah like just i mean i think you'd rather play rather have duncan for 15 years than kobe kobe's like you know give grant hill five championships and now we're you know now we're grant hill talking i mean i think like overall if we're, we're talking about the history of the nba i think the line of de- demarcation will be pre-LeBron and post-LeBron, because LeBron has created an era of basketball, particularly in player movement, that has never happened before. And now that he he essentially, dis- like, he himself decided players are going to decide where they want to play. They're not going to be, not going to hold allegiance for a certain team or whatever, the, wherever they're at. Jordan played for the same team his whole career besides those, what, one or two years with the Wizards. Um, LeBron is the first superstar to go bouncing around bouncing around and choosing that i mean barkley mm-hmm. bounced around but like yeah. we're not going to be talking about barkley in 20 years well. to be honest <laughs> you might no no i don't think so no. i mean he, he's going to get lost to history yeah i'm fine with that um i don't know i, I can't i'm going to be angry i know i'm going to be angry in 15 years when people are having the lebron conversation still mm-hmm. and they're going to bring up this finals and say Look, he lost in five to the Warriors. Jordan never did that, or whoever else they want to compare him to never did that. But, like, watching the series, yeah, Le- LeBron played as well as you possibly could have played. And also, I think it's di- more difficult today with the scoring being so efficient and high for one player. to Like, in Jordan's day, they scored 95 points a game or something, right? So if a guy scores 30 points a game, that means a ton. Where, like, LeBron scored 40 points in that final game, and yeah. it didn't mean really anything didn't mean much um it was a weird scene the whole thing felt felt very weird i had to i had to like process it afterwards i had to turn off the tv and think about how i felt about the whole thing my favorite thing too is the jr smith three that that covered the spread yeah i know sucked the air out of the building in the at the most perfect time somehow maybe like everyone was betting on the game or something (laughs) like and like you know all collectively hated him for them but um like that that one three it seemed to like take so much energy out of the building and at right at the most crucial time when the celebration was about to rev up and then like it just didn't happen like that celebration just kind of petered out like you know and then just yeah. watching this like you know the grandstanding thing that like you know is is the boring not celebratory part of it which is adam silver you know droning on about greatness and like the curry so i guarantee we're gonna get the first warriors cavaliers matchup some writer is going to write a story about how that Curry, like, you know, Curry took that fadeaway three at the end of the game. Someone's going to write about how that was disrespectful mm-hmm. to the Cavaliers, and they remember that. Yeah. It's like, did you see the story that uh, Curry under, like, on Durant's game-winning shot in game three or whatever it was, yeah. Curry crouched down or something like that and celebrated in some way, mm-hmm. and there was a report that the Cavaliers saw him do that and they're mad about it? It was a crouch. He, crouch. he just crouched down. Yeah. In enjoyment of Durant's three point, I will say Steph Curry's mannerisms bother me on a yeah, on an instinctual level. I can't I can't really justify it, but do they do that for you? I've talked to a lot of people, and no, I mean I'm not bothered by Curry because I 
I think in general, like, so this Durant thing overall, he's handled it pretty well where like most guys would be more, uh, grouchy. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly, f- I don't, I don't, der- there's nothing really about Curry that bothers I, me. I don't dislike like Curry the human. It's his mannerisms specifically. I think it's this like, this kind of, uh, how do I say it? It's this dis- disaffected thing that it's just not genuine. It doesn't feel like it's like a very conscious disaffected. Well, we've talked about comparing it to, Ivanka Trump a little bit and sort Did of we? yeah I don't <laughs> I remember this but it's sort of the uh we've been through this then rich rich kid who has been run through the private school mill oh, we and, talked about this in private that's yeah, why yeah. yeah well but that's a thing like you if you are have a certain type of education about how you should be acting in a certain situation mm-hmm. there's a detachment that gets created I think Curry has the detachment there's he has obvious joy in his game but it's not the unbridled joy of Iverson. It's sort of the, it's just because he's so amazing, there's joy. But really, he himself is sort of like a, not a robot, but he's sort of just, it, it, there's not a pure connectedness mm. with mm. the fan base, even mm-hmm. though he's the most popular player yeah. in the NBA. Yeah, no, it's a lot to unpack here, Mike. It's a lot to unpack, but um, I do, I mean, like, I'm conflicted because, like I was saying, like, I want them to be good enough that, it's it's a moot point. You don't want to be good right now, and you won't want to be for the next four or five years. That way, the Nets can unapologetically be bad and rebuild on you know in in their own little vacuum of space. You know, nobody's paying attention to anybody outside of those two teams. Yeah, but it, but again, I st- I still really don't believe that like the NBA is over and that we don't have to watch next year. Just be just because if, if nothing like if if LeBron doesn't go to San Antonio, then you know. It's what's going to change, like. Well, but but we talked about that. So literally, the Delavadova problem. Mm-hmm. I really believe in. I believe in sort of what you're saying here is that, like, what what the Cavs did is they decided to try to turn their team into more Warriors like. What they they got like they've had guys like Channing Fry, but they try to go three point shooting, Corver and like that. Mm-hmm. When really, what you need to do is you need to get, um. Sort of not Tristan Thompson types, but Draymond Green types, yeah, you versatile. Get meaner. You need to get a little bit crazier. meaner, defensive, yeah. athletic minded. That's why, and we'll talk about this in the offseason pod. I'm already planning on this. My favorite trade of the offseason is Kevin Love for Joel Embiid. Mm. Not that Joel Embiid's mean and tough, but I think sort of that type of like you need an athletic freak who can switch on every pick and roll because then you're really presenting a lot of issues. For, not issues for Golden State, but there's more problems than a guy like... I mean, Pachulia is the only reason why the series was close. He was a hor- horrendous. Um, I mean, a couple of... I mean, uh, Tristan Thompson was making me pull my hair out. Like, he was so bad in this whole series. I, I'm I'm a defender of... Of what? Of Tristan Thompson. I understand his importance on a basketball court. I understand that he, he rebounds well enough. I still think rebounding is important. Mm-hmm. And I think that he... Provide some kind of toughness in the middle. If they didn't have him, they would have nothing in the middle. Somebody was uh, was watching it with our mutual friend Elliot, and he was talking about him or something <laughs> that uh, Jeff Van Gundy had this thing where he was talking about the their Kardashian curse with them, um, and <laughs> that he's like, "Let me put this to bed." There's no way that a significant other is like Jeff. You don't get it. You're not. You don't get it. It's a funny like internet. Yeah, it's just meme thing you're not but it's also true but it's also true it happens to be a real voodoo curse and they are actual you know succubuses sure succubi um all right let's do this 
do what? Any more thoughts you want to unpack, or do you want to go see call up net income and see? I'm a jingle jingle. All right. Well, uh, joining us on the line is net income. Net income. Thank you so much for for being here for our little draft review. Well, thank you for having me, and you can call me Bob. Bob. Can we, and we, I mean, we did say last time. By the way, you made the best of interviews uh, for Glue Guys. I know that's probably wow. a high honor. Plugging your own show. <laughs> wow. Good. But, but you know, it's, it's things like this that, that make life worth living. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so so, what we have here is, we were talking about this a little bit before we, we got on the air here, it was um, the Nets have worked out seemingly a, a ton of players, and where they're ranked within the consensus draft boards is an interesting spot. Uh, what have you seen so far from the guys that they've brought in to work out, where they're going to go potentially, and what that may mean to you? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, they haven't, uh, by just taking a look at the latest Draft Express uh, mock draft, which came out today, of the 47 guys they've worked out, only three are uh, first-rounders, according to Draft Express. Um, So what you're seeing then is they're looking at, so far, um, a lot of second-rounders. What I found the most interesting, if not the most interesting, one of the most interesting things, is that they have worked out 13 players who Draft Express puts at between number 30 and number 50. Mm -hmm. And as you know, they don't have any picks between 27 and 57. So that suggests to me that they are very interested in somehow getting a second-round pick. They have $3.4 million to play with. And they also have the 57th pick, and as you recall, last year um, they combined $3 million and the 55th pick to move up to 42 to get Isaiah Whitehead. And I think that that's – if there's something that I would bet on for election uh, – excuse me, election for um, for draft night, it would be that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of – so we did a bunch of questions, and a lot of them are about free agency too, Mike, so I don't want to like – I don't want to steal your thunder from the pre-draft show, but people are generally interested. I think, I think we're we're good to mix in pretty much anything we want to hear. Sure, so, sure. So I guess um, a lot of people are asking about this Alan Crabb thing still to this day. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Yeah, the what the 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 the, the crab dump. The crab. We'll call the crab dump. Um, right. <laughs> um, so I guess like basically just people say like how likely is that possibility? Because I guess people got it in their head that it seemed incredibly likely. At some point. Yeah, well, um, I think this. I think, first of all, you should know I know nothing. <laughs> sure. And I mean that. I know nothing. Um, you know, the only thing I know is that early on in the draft, they liked Donovan Mitchell, who is out of their range now, and Rodion Skorix, who, who is gone, who has decided to you know return uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that Portland um, could do this with not just the crab contract, but with Myers Leonard, with uh, Harkless, um, with even Evan Turner, I mean, I think that that's a real possibility. But after all the speculation, which started with Woj, um, saying that the Nets would be willing to take on a salary dump, uh, Mike Richmond, who is the uh, who is the beat writer for the Oregonian and covers the Trailblazers, uh, did a story that says, no, no, that's not the plan. Um mm-hmm. The plan is to try to trade some of these guys for assets and not do salary dumps. And that sort of put an end to the speculation. But obviously they have problems. And their problem is not just this coming year. 
what they have done, and also, by the way, what Washington has done and what Detroit has done, is signed a lot of young players to long-term and very lucrative deals. And so their salary caps are going to be $100 million, $120 million over the next three years. And that's why there's, there's some hope for for if they want to, um, dumping an offer sheet on Otto Porter, dumping an offer sheet on uh, Cantavius Caldwell Pope, mm-hmm. and you know, and also in the case of Portland, being willing to take to take a salary dump. Mm-hmm. Now, as you as you know, I mean, they have three picks in the first round. They have fifteen, twenty, and twenty six, I believe, um, and so. Would uh, if you if you try to match those those picks, quality of those contracts, I think Portland would want to hang on to fifteen. I can't imagine that they wouldn't. Um, and the the but on the other hand, um, you know, are they looking to get back? Are they looking to get back a big number like Crab? Or are they looking to get back a moderate number like Myers Leonard? Um, they are in such bad shape, by the way. And I found this I found this number absolutely fascinating. This was in the Oregonian story. If they did keep all three of those picks and signed them, mm-hmm. it would it would cost them twenty five million dollars between salary and luxury tax wow. for guys out of the lottery. Right. Um, so look, they've got to do something. Um, I would think that they would try to get assets before they did a salary dump. Um, but on the other hand, you know, Paul Allen is the richest owner in sports, um, and he can handle this. I mean, they're not going to be anywhere near meeting the record of of Mikhail Prokhorov, who had to pay ninety point six million dollars. I mean, the most they would pay, I think, is somewhere in the range of thirty. And, you know, he can handle that. The question is, do they want to? And the larger question is, looking down the line where they have $130, $120 million salaries, payrolls, um, do they want to do that? Um, especially after coming off a 41 and 41 season. I, I, again, I know nothing, but I think it's a lucrative area of discussion. And, but we may not see anything until draft night. Um, and I think that's something that we, <clears throat> that we have to consider as well, which is draft night, everything changes. That's what Sean Mark said, um, the press conference after the season ended. And I think that's true. I mean, everything changes, um, because People do things at the at the top of the draft, and when you're at 22, and you're at 27, you're sort of held hostage to do, to whatever else, whatever uh, everybody else does. Well, and we get this question a lot, and I like your take on it. There's a belief that because the Nets have two first round picks, why don't they package those two and try to move up in the draft? Where where I think that almost uh, never happens, right? I mean, it's not the correct. NFL draft where you two late first round picks is valuable. We're really in the NBA draft. You want as high as possible. You're not going to trade down for extra picks, right? I mean, no, no. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, this was actually asked of Marx in one of the interviews that were done, you know, right around the time of the end of the season, you know, when they had like, they did like the, the media availability, then two or three uh, interviews. And I think this is the interview he did with Evan Roberts. 
Evan Roberts asked him that, and he said, you know, I don't think we're going to do that. It's difficult to do. I like having two picks, um, and I think that I think that that's the reason why they traded Boyan because they wanted the second pick, and I think one of those picks will be a risk, a draft and sash, some you know obscure European, um, you know something, an injured player, um, as they did last year. But I think they like having two picks, and I think that one of the reasons is you you do a you do a traditional pick with one. And you do a risky pick with the other. Yeah. I mean, I, so this is sort of a bigger ideological question that ties into those kinds of decisions. But so me and Mike just went 12 rounds on the state of the NBA, uh, in the wake of this, uh, decisive Warriors victory. And we were talking about like, how much sense does it make to even be trying to be good right now? We were talking about it's kind of fortuitous that the Nets are in sort of like the, you know, rock bottom situation that they are, uh, at a time where to be, even like remotely competitive, you have to be, uh, you know, uh, you have to collect assets that are, you know, transcended all over. Um, so, does it make sense to be stashing like every pick at this point? Um, uh, you know, does it make sense to even go with a traditional pick at twenty-two, um, or is it possible yeah. you could see two euros or three? Yeah, no, I think that that's or you know, they they're probably going to buy a second round pick yeah. like, as, as we talked, but. Um, I think this. I think that you know these guys talk as much about strategy as they talk about culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you could do a drinking game, you know, you'd be very drunk very quick mm-hmm. in any interview um, that Sean Marks does. Um, <laughs> but I think I think what you're going to see is them thinking long term still for this for this draft. I think that's what they do, um, and I don't think they see this as. You know, the the turning point yet, and so if you don't see it as the turning point, then you go strategically, quote unquote, and you go long term and you take some risks. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of you know there's a lot of players out there who you know who could uh, you know who could turn out to be pretty good if you hang on to them. And the other thing is if you look at what Marks and and R.C. Buford did. In uh, in San Antonio, um, they always had a you know a cache of draft and stash players, and they had value for a lot of reasons. They had value as development projects, like Davis Bertans, and now they're bringing in Adam Hanga, who's one of the better uh, wing players in the uh, in the Euroleague to play next year. But the other thing is, they're handy for for as trade assets. Um, you know, if you're trying to make a deal, you don't want to give up a draft pick. Um, well, you can have, you know, Juan Pablo Vallette, um, you know, and, and, and things like a draft in, uh, for a, a salary dump. I mean, those picks are, 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 I mean, ideal. They're not, that's not what you get them for, but they can have that value. Um, so I wouldn't, I agree, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at, at that, but I don't think they're looking at the league overall. I think they're looking mm-hmm. at their, at their own situation. And I think the, I think the other thing is that he mentioned, and I can't remember the specific language, but basically what he said was that we'll go for the big free agent, you know, when we make the playoffs. To make that net, to make essentially what is the last leap into into contention, mm-hmm. but not before, right? 
And that's a big de- that would be a big deal for all the uh, Cantavius Caldwell Popes and Otto Porter fans out there. I don't know how many there are of them. There's two. There's, there's Cantavius. Yeah, there's. yeah, there's a lot of Cantavius <laughs> fever. Um, so obviously, we don't really know which names the Nets really want. I mean, as you mentioned, there's guys that the Nets had been linked to that are out of the draft, whether. Courage right. because of he chose himself and Jonathan Jean because he did not choose that um, because right. of a health issue. Unfortunately, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what type of player then do you think the Nets want in terms of position or skill? What what guy? What type of skill do they want or, in the or guy? If there's that, an archetype, maybe for yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it was interesting because I went through I went through our nerdy list of forty seven um, workout candidates um, this afternoon um, at lunchtime, uh, and what I saw was the the one thing that struck me, or two two things that struck me, but they're interrelated. A lot of swingmen, a lot mm-hmm. of swingmen. Interesting. Um, and deep shooters. You go through the list, and you know we have it on our site, um, and you just start to see 35%, 38%, 40% from three. Uh, and then athletes, um, because they needed that. Um, what I was surprised that I didn't see <laughs> was um, a lot of you know bigs, a lot of traditional centers. Um, because you know, if you look at last year's roster, there were two players over six foot ten: you know, Brooke Lopez and, and Justin Hamilton. And maybe that's what they're looking at in, in free agency. I don't know. And or maybe they've worked out you know, a couple of big guys that I'm unaware of. But the shooting is the one thing <clears throat> that that I thought was was interesting. Um, all not all forty seven, but a lot of them. A lot of them were were deep shooters, and that was what their game was. Uh, the, the game was was featured on, um, so that was one thing. And again, and as I said, the swingman and that you know those two things essentially go together. You know, they looked at all, some small guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Mason, um, you know, was one who they had in. Uh, but for the most part, as well, it's 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 mostly you know, yeah, tall guards, tall. Um, small forwards. Um, I would I would bet that Terrence Ferguson is high on their list um, because he fits that. He's a three and D guy, um, and he's nineteen. And you know all of those things would that they're looking for. Um, I would think that he's high on their list. I think Isaiah Hartenstein is high on their list. I mean, we did a. We did a uh, analysis of 15 mock drafts last week, um, and he was listed as a Nets choice on seven of them, mm-hmm. five at 22, two at 27. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, these the draft Knicks know what they're talking about. Sometimes they have inside information, particularly people like Jonathan Gavoni and, and Chad Ford. Um, and maybe there is something there. And it's, it also has a certain logical um, a logical place. He's, you know, he's young. He might be a draft in sash. You know, he's... 
He's somebody who uh, who is well coached. Who Chris Fleming, the assistant, that's assistant coach and German national team coach, knows a lot about. So I mean, he's a he's a logical choice, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a logical choice. Mm-hmm. Last year was Karis Levert a logical choice? Mm-hmm. No way. No, yeah. I mean, we didn't even. Uh, I don't even think he was discussed at all going into the no. draft. I mean, obviously because they what well, that was a draft day trade. Yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wow. Was that is that right, Robert? Did that trade happen on yeah, the draft? Right? Yeah, it happened. On, and and I can remember. I can remember um, Thaddeus Young's um, wife tweeting yeah, out, tweeting out. <laughs> yeah, tweeting out saying, "Oh well, Woj is always right. I yeah. guess we have to. <laughs> I guess we have to accept moving again." But um, in so, in the wake of that, though, like the Karis Vert thing, it seems like it makes sense because I mean, Mike and I often get excited about uh, thinking about what like the identity of this team could look like, and towards the end of the season. This sort of six seven six eight slasher like pound the paint kind of dynamic uh, team seemed to be like the identity at least towards the like the last three months of the season and that you're talking about how they're still looking at wings where wings are probably not like the immediate immediate need or maybe it is I mean I don't know it's hard to well, say shooting well, definitely is shooting three point yeah, shooting yeah. is and, a necessary on this team yeah. right now. And he has said he has said that we really need to improve at the three. He he isolated the three and said right. we really need to improve there. So um, yeah, and I don't know if that means I don't know if that means Otto Porter or that means somebody you know taking a twenty-two. But I think they're I think they have I think they have interest there. Um, and I think that you know we don't know much about 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 the free agency. I mean, obviously, um, unless it, I'm completely bamboozled, um, Milos Teodosic is somebody who they really, really want. And I just retweeted um, a tweet from uh, from a reporter, a sports writer who covers basketball at TASS, the big Russian news agency, who says that Seska has offered him you know, a big contract. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it can't compete with what he would get from the Nets or the Heat or you know, the Kings, <laughs> but I think that you know that's we we don't. The other thing we don't know is we don't know the mix between what they're looking for in free agency versus what they're looking for in the draft. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we could probably say that they're going to be more willing to take risks in the draft, and I think that the draft is where the risks are going to be, and then they're going to be building within within free agency. Whether they're going to offer, you know, Otto Porter or Cantavius Caldwell Pope um, enormous amounts of money, uh, I just don't know. I and mean, It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, but... No. Yeah, but on the other hand, again, I know nothing. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, and and I think that you know, I also think that we probably won't know much until next Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, we'll probably start to see rumors circulating. Hopefully, they're accurate and truthful. Um, but we'll start to see rumors circulate next Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but I do expect there's going to be. A lot of activity on uh, on draft night. Well, speaking um, of activity, I mean, so we and I, I emailed you about this earlier today, and it's interesting. During the season, all we could talk about before the trade deadline was whether they're going to trade Brook Lopez, and then they don't, and he has the best season of his career, just about. And right. 
and he we've heard nothing about him. Um, and if this team is going to acquire more first round picks, he would be the guy to do it. Do you do you think he's what's the likelihood that he's ever even going to be traded? Oh my god! You in this? Mic. No, I'm I'm just saying it's <laughs> it's it's interesting that we've suddenly halted that conversation of trading Brook Lopez. When if we're going to have a serious discussion about the draft yes. and getting better through the draft, that's very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Brook Lopez has to be discussed. Uh, where do you think <laughs> yeah. he is? Where do you think Marx is with him? Well, the last time Mark spoke about it, and I guess this was April or May, um, he said, when asked, again, again, I think it was by Evan Roberts, um, he said, we're not marketing him, but we have to think strategically. Mm-hmm. And what that said to me was, if I get an offer, I'm going to seriously consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he's a free agent. Um, he's going to be a free agent in you know, at the end of this year. Um, in order to resign him, it would take a lot of money. He'll be 31 in April, and you have to think not just about draft picks, but you also have to think about the deadline. Mm-hmm. And people can say all they want about how he is not the center of the future, but as I have pointed out more than once on our fine site, uh, there are only two seven-footers in the history of the game who have made more than 133 pointers in a season, mm-hmm. and one of them is named Dirk, <laughs> um, and the other is named Brooke. Yeah. Um, and also, he is one of two players in the history of the NBA who had 120 blocks and 123 pointers in the single season, and the other guy is Rashid Wallace. So, I mean, there is going to be interest in him, I would assume. There's going to be value, I assume. But you know, I don't know if it's better to try to get a to try to get a good young player and a uh, and a pick, which is what you would want at the minimum. Uh, and the question also is if you do think that you're going to trade him or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson or Trevor Booker, do you want to look at 2018 and pick up a, uh, a draft pick in 2018 right. instead of one for this draft? Because you got nothing in, 28, in, in 2018. Yeah, no first, I, no second. I think that's the most so that's the most likely scenario of any draft day trade or anything is that they're going to be looking towards 2018 because I, I I would imagine Marks would rather have the, what we describe as a lottery ticket or something else to play some cards to play in 2018 as opposed to three hands to be played or four hands if you count the second round pick in 2017 you might as well want that second chance and actually there's 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 value in also having someone's first round pick that you don't know where it's going to be because it could end up being a lottery pick. You just don't know, right? I yeah, mean, look, I mean, sure, sure. I mean, we could look. You could suppose you got a 2018 pick from Portland in a, in a you know, um, in some sort of salary dump. Um, is Portland going to be sure to make the playoffs next year? I don't know. They were 41 and 41 this year. They barely made it. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities and. You know, the other thing is, even though we don't know anything, as, as I keep saying, you, the one thing that we do know is what he was able to do last year, which was, you know, the most successful draft since 2008. 
um, in terms of what they got, where they got it, and and, and also they came away with twelve and a half million dollars in additional cap space uh, for last year in the Thaddeus Young deal, and thirteen point four million of the cap space they have this year as a result of that, and they have a you know a second round pick on what somebody has described as. You know, um, reverse protections. Um, you know, if they don't make the playoffs any time between now and 2022, the pick goes to the net. So that record, it's only one year, but that record looks pretty good, and that's the one thing we do know. Um, and you've got to do, you've, at this point, where they are now, after the worst two seasons in the, in the team's history, um, you have to trust him. Um, and yeah, you know, he's probably going to make some mistakes along the way before this gets settled. No. Certainly going to make mistakes. Marx, no, Marx is not allowed to. This <laughs> yeah. team cannot allow to. Can't just, just real quick, I'll just get you overall quick thing out of here. Um, what do you think will be the likely scenario coming out of this draft? It's that they're going to have, have picked three players, four players, have made some kind of significant trade. What, what do you think we will likely be talking about Friday morning, let's say? I think Friday morning we'll probably be talking about surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, for, as we did last year, um, Karis LeVert, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one thing. And, you know, the other thing is what happens, what happens with Lopez. I am told that Lopez is very sanguine about this, that, you know, he he knows what could happen. Um, but I, I would not be surprised if there were, if there was a trade that night not involving Brooke Lopez. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rondé Hollis Jefferson has a lot of, a lot of people in the league who like him. Trevor Booker's stats weren't bad, but Trevor Booker's value goes beyond stats. It goes to his, it goes to his role as a leader. Um, uh, goes to his locker room presence, even goes to the fact that among the players' wives, you know, his mm. his wife was the leader. So, I mean, there could be a number of teams out there who are thinking, oh, I need somebody. I need somebody like Trevor Booker. And, you know, he could wind up, he could wind up uh, going. So, I, and, and in terms of, in terms of who they actually take, um, who knows? But I, I, I do think that I do think you're going to see one big. They're going to take one big, even if he's 19 years old. Um, and they're going to, uh, and, you know, there will be a risk. Um, and the question then becomes: the other question that comes up that'll be there on Friday morning is: how far advanced are they in this rebuild? Mm. Uh, as evidenced by who will sit with them. Mm. Kevin Durant wouldn't take an interview last year, despite all the connections that he had with the Nets, and there were tons of them. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't talk to them. Um, will there be somebody there this year who will talk to them, mm-hmm. um, if that's the way they want to go? But I think those are the, those are the things we're going to see on, on Friday morning. But I, I, I do think there's going to be a trade. I do think they're going to get somebody in the in the in the upper upper you know, regions of the of the second round. I mean, they shouldn't be where they worked out thirteen guys between thirty and fifty in the in the draft express mock. I mean, that tells you something. 
So, um, but again, you know, as Mark said, everything changes on draft night. Um, so we shall see. Ah, beautiful. Perfect. Well, you can read them on netsdaily.com as you can listen to this podcast on netsdaily.com. Uh-huh. Net Income Robert, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you, sir. All righty. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. That was our uh, interview with Robert Wind. Oh. Wait. Wait, you're supposed what? to say his name. What Am I allowed to say his last name? Yes, yeah, Bob Windrum, Net Income. Net Everyone Income. There. He's on the, he's on the it's, internet, it's man. Like, it's so, like, you're covert. On the internet. Everyone's on the internet. You know what? what uh, so one of the things that I was doing while, while we were talking is after he said Rashid <laughs> Wallace uh, in uh, had a like, statistic similarity with Brooke Lopez, I was like, you know what? That's really an interesting comparison that I never thought of as, like, Brooke Lopez is a better Rashid Wallace. Uh, and there's a lot of statistical know. similarities here, Mike. I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's better. I think I think you'd rather have Rashid Wallace, man. Whoa. Okay. Well, that's not where I was headed with this. I'm not trying to say who do you, who do you want. <laughs> we, can have, we finally can have a Rashid I just, Wallace. I just, versus Brooke I just think that like Brooke Lopez is such a strange uh, player statistically. It's like interesting to. I mean, Rashid didn't didn't have a ton of rebounds. He had he would have his six rebounds per year of seasons when he was doing his most scoring. Look at this line. Does, does this not a a Brooke Lopez esque line in in uh, 2003? 2004 he's averaging 20 uh oh no wait sorry that's one game that's one game with the atlanta hawks <laughs> so that doesn't count but okay so before that uh in 04 17 right mm-hmm. one 1.6 blocks brooks at two um half a steal 2.5 assists about where he's at 6.6 rebounds this is a very similar player right and rashid i guess you'd probably be a center in today's nba uh <laughs> don't, don't do that yeah uh, he'd also probably shoot the ball a heck of a lot more yeah. i'd rather have rashid wallace over his career brooke lopez dude you're wrong i mean this is a sheet head you're gonna live you're gonna leave a lot of points heads. on the board let me tell you we've that. said this before brian i've said this before brooke lopez is the sneakiest underraterist player in the nba that you would love to see traded for picks next thursday and 2018, 2019. Speaking of unprotected, Bob uh, is Billy King advising any other teams because we need to find that guy. Um, we need to find. We, when Billy. we were doing the interview, I didn't. I took everyone's emails and kind of parsed them, and I didn't want to, you know, just insert names. Uh, but thank you to Lou Torres, uh, Sammer, uh, Sammer, Eric, mm-hmm. John, mm-hmm. John Lindgren, Eric McRae, Douglas, John, John uh, Barrick, as always. Uh, Michael Mariano, Jose, Dylan Mandelowitz, uh, Edgar G. Wiener, (laughs) Ken, Ken, that's, I don't know why that made me laugh, sorry, Edward, Uh, Ken Lewis, Sean Pinto, it's your boy, Um, so anyways, I just wanted to say, like, thanks to everybody, because I, yeah, that was my fault, I promised emailers that they could, yeah, put their voice in, but logistically speaking, it's actually way harder than, yeah, (laughs) we hadn't, we never done that before, can I put this out there, and I tweeted at this, if anyone knows Spencer Dinwiddie, I'm trying to get at the guy. I'm trying to get that at the guy because he, he posts on Facebook and Twitter Dragon Ball Z stuff all the time. Yeah. And, and he's unreachable. Yeah. Because I think if, if there's anything in the hierarchy of things we would like to all discuss. All you want to do is you want to get him on here and be like, hey, dude, you like Vegeta, right? I do, too. That's all you're going to say. No, we were talking about what would our finishing move be. Wait. Your finishing uh, move? What do you think this is? Mortal Kombat? I like the disky one. Yeah. What's the disky one? I don't know. The one the where he's like, one? he makes like a, a disc laser and he throws it at the guy. Look at this. Look at your wife's disappointment. Uh, my wife just in came in face. on me talking about 
disc lasers. Anime disc lasers is what you. Oh God. Um. Do we have any questions, or do you want to oh. go do, do news around the league? Uh. Yeah. Let's just. Uh. We'll go quick news around the league. I feel bad because like people are emailing me and we're not getting to them, and this has well, been twice. Here's now, what we do. Two Emailers, weeks in a row. We're gonna save it. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna bottle those. Oh yeah. We'll do a. Let's do next week. We'll do a little mail mail special. Are those draft ones? Free agency ones? What the hell? Just oh there. There's just literally. They're straight. they're all over the place. So uh, so we'll bottle that. Bottle it and cork it. it. Yeah. Then get punch your card. Yes. You We're going to catch that lightning in a bottle. Um, I have two news around the league stories. Shoot. Uh, we don't have our drops, which is really sad. One. This is from the Associated Press. The world's weight problem is growing in countries rich and poor, and in many of them, obesity is rising faster in children than in adults. Here's my thing. Yeah. Okay. It's basically more people are obese. Shouldn't that be celebrated? <laughs> Yeah. Obesity has yeah. always been a sign of, of health, of, of good health. Of good health. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't we shouldn't that be a happy story? People are fatter. Yeah. That is a good I'm, thing. I don't think you're looking at this closely enough. There's That is a good thing. <laughs> that people that are being overweight is universally good. Would I think you is, rather the headline be everyone's skinnier. Um yeah. So you want to hit that happy medium between being obese and starving. You want to get somewhere on the meaty part of healthy? that. Called healthy? <laughs> that meaty healthiness? That's where you want to celebrate. The thing is, Mike, you know, the people, they get overweight in that way, and sometimes it's because the food quality is not very good, and so you have this oh, disproportionate... Right? You know, it's a whole big socioeconomic thing. I don't think you're ready for this. You know, uh, um, I'm not ready for that conversation. No. Yeah, okay. Is that that was the, the whole news point, that yeah, yeah, people yeah, are fatter yeah, and it yeah. should be celebrated? Jesus. Okay, next Mike. thing. Don't look at the screen. Don't look at the screen. I'm not looking. I can't even see that far. Okay, Forbes has come out with the highest paid celebrities. Okay. Who do you think would number one be? Don't look at the screen. Like annual income or just, just like per show or what would it be? Just celebrities overall. Who made just the like most? Who has the most net worth? Who made the most? No, not net worth. Who made the most money last year? In 2016? Yeah. 2016. Yeah, just name who, anyone. Who had you think. a big 26, like Taylor Swift or something? I don't know. Who had so a big... Taylor Swift dropped significantly yeah. because her album, I guess, came out two years ago at this point. Um, and it, I think Forbes, so Forbes valuation is always like completely wrong, mm-hmm. right? Sports wise is always completely wrong. Yeah, I'm not on there. So it's like, what's going on? Like something yeah, this podcast up. is blowing up. <laughs> yeah. We have so many ads. So something's wrong. I can tell. Um, number one. You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Drinking. You're about to do a spit take. Yeah. You ready? Sean. Do you know what what, what I'm going to follow out with Sean? P. Diddy. Combs. <laughs> he was literally. I didn't want to go all the way with it. Get all the equipment. Sean P. Diddy Combs. Made really? the most money last Doing year. Doing what? What the hell? Selling vodka? Okay. Yeah. He sold vodka. Mm-hmm. He also sold a, a steak in something. One sec. Not a steak as in like meat, but a steak in as in... Wait, he sold that many bottles of vodka? He like, sold a third of his Sean John clothing line, which brought him in $70 million. So they incorporated that in with how much money he made. He made $130 million last year. So he still made $60 million off of he did He did a tour with a bunch of people from the 90s rap R&B scene. Ciroc Vodka. Yeah. If they want to sponsor the pod, please do. $70 million off of uh, Sean John clothing that he sold. He sold... A yeah. third of his business. Yeah, I guess that makes sense when you're. Would you have thought? You know, we P. Diddy. Don't, there's not a whole lot of overlap there with me and P Diddy. Like we don't travel in the same circles. I don't see him out that much. Is that true. And uh, and I don't. Is it Ciroc? That's his v- vodka. Is that the one? Drink Ciroc. Yeah. 
There's that, a song. Is that a song? That's part of a song. Um, I don't know the whole song, but that's a part of a song. It's a good tease. Um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't realize that, that, that it was flying off the shelves like that. I've actually never had it. Have you ever had that vodka? I don't think so, but I'm not, I'm you a tequila really guy, you know? Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just so. That's, that's very Brooklyn of you, Mike. Have you, like, have you considered moving? Mezcal is having a real moment out there, by the way. Have you ever messed around with this stuff? Have I messed around? Uh, I exclusively only drink okay. Mezcal every morning. So this is my thing with people that are like, so stop. Mike what's is your one, thing? What's your thing? What's Mike your thing? is one of these guys who's real quick to call someone a hipster, which I think is a, a really funny thing to do in 2017. And Michael, Michael still do it. Oh, glad you know the year. Wow. Good for you. 2017. Stop, Brian. So stop it. <laughs> I can't even go in on that. But, uh, but you have a lot of hipstery tendencies. Let me just say that. Do you, you see what I'm wearing right now? That's that's a hipster I'm question. That's an incredibly seer, hipsterish question. Seer suckers, <laughs> you don't Docksider shoes and a black. Fight it all you want, Mike. Polo. The, Mike has a great story about how he went to his country club. He went to his frat reunion and he told a story about uh-huh. watching a wow. suicidal teen drama. Yeah, and uh, it went over really poorly. And when he was telling me this story, it's called Thirteen Reasons. Thirteen Reasons really important. And he told it to a group of people, and everyone walked away in stunned silence at what a weird, creepy story it was. Did, and yeah. Mike's Mike <laughs> Mike <laughs> Mike when he told me this, he was oh like, my God. <laughs> he was like, he was intrigued because, or how you had mixed emotions because I think at some point you knew how to navigate that world a little bit better, but you've been away from the frat a little too long, <laughs> and now you're having a hard time integrating because Mike. Fight it! You were never meant for the frat. You were meant for mezcal, for, for mezcal, <laughs> and and you know whatever else they're into. I don't know if mezcal think they're into Mez- mezcal. All right, Mike. Yeah, no, no. Okay, you- okay, okay, Brian. <laughs> okay, okay, Brian. It's just you think you think you're r- middle of the road, and you're anything but. You're 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 oh, a rainbow. I take that as you're surfing on a rainbow, and you're like I'm. You know, I'm Main Street, and you're just not. What's your go-to liquor? My go-to liquor is probably tequila, too. I do like tequila. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Tie uh, bow on it, Mike. Let's get out of here. Number two on the list. Oh. Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce, really? She made $105 million last year, and J.K. Rowling made $95 million. Really? J.K. Rowling? Is that show business? That's not show business. Well, she came out with a play uh-huh. and a movie. All right. And I'm sure the what books movie? are... Oh, the stupid. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That was, was you saw it. Mike has very strong opinions about the strangest things. Yeah, it was really bad. You know what I saw the other night? Alien Covenant. Was that good? (laughs) Do it. Uh, Colin and Elliot, my friends who recommended me this movie, I need to talk to you guys. I need to sit you down because that movie was trash-tastic. Okay. Uh, if you want to watch the movie and you haven't watched it yet, stop listening. What happens in the end? You wouldn't believe it, but the you know aliens and no, it's the it's. I have a whole big thing with it, and it's very boring if, if I launch into it. But basically, that franchise has it's just it's almost a. You breathe a sigh of relief when the stupid alien pops out of the chest because it's like oh, like it's an alien movie after all. It's not just this high concept kind of not that interesting science fiction stuff that yes. it's like this isn't really working. You know, keep it going. <laughs> I love it. It's not, no, because it's, alien. The yeah. first Alien is a horror movie. A horror movie. It has, and it's, I get it, because like, so in the 70s version, this is the same thing as like Star Wars is kind of dealing with the same thing, where it's like, you can have this, Excuse me? hear me out, Don't talk about you have this whole long, 
dramatic thing where the the face hugger is on the guy's face for like a hard 30 minutes of that movie and they're just like what do we do it's this crazy new creature and i don't know what it is like you couldn't do that in the seventh sequel of that movie because everybody knows the nature of that thing and you don't you have to speed right through it so there's no like import placed on anyone's lives or any of this you know there's no wonder in the you, universe you need to build out the background to for sequels you so the, need to make you right. need to make the mythology but, bigger, and bigger. Right. and there isn't any of that the mythology is you know what it is it's a it's jesus this dog and you this dog is unbelievable <laughs> come here, um, Georgie, come here. it's just a movie that's on its way to being a different movie you know they could have just skipped it and we could have shown up and they could have flashed back and that would have been this movie anyways i, I hate being negative it was a about prequel right I don't know. Hey, Georgie, <laughs> Georgie come give, come give Brian a kiss. <laughs> Gosh. Georgie, um, come here. Mike, come we got to finish this show. We can't um, get, get out of this cover. So thank so. you for listening. So thank you, Net Income, for joining us. Yes. Netsdaily.com. You're going to see us there. Almighty Baller Radio. Yeah. AlmightyBaller.com. Check it out. If you like basketball podcasts if you like pina in and if you like basketball podcasts, um, you should go there. AlmightyBaller.com. There's a bunch of different stuff. Anyways. Uh, so thank you for listening. We'll have another episode earlier next week and then something special. Can we save it? Can we save this? Or we... mm, we'll save it. We'll save, save it, it for that. Save time. it, would you? You're always going off half-cocked about this stuff. Not even a quarter cocked. <laughs> quarter cocked. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, thank Take you for listening. Out, Mike. Take us out. Take us out, Brian. Hey, thanks, everybody. Good night. Thanks for listening. 